So, the reason we're talking about the goodness of God is because we've been in this series dealing with the Good Shepherd, okay? We're on the 23rd Psalm, and the whole point of this series is just to remember God's goodness. Life is better when you remember that you have a Good Shepherd that is with you, right? So today, what I want to do is I want to land on probably the most famous verse of all, one that we've we're all familiar with. It's verse 4 in the 23rd Psalm. And this is going to be the last verse that we look at um, before we move on to another series next week. Here it is, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're going to talk about valleys today. Have you ever had one of those moments where everything is going great? Like, you're on top of the mountain. And then the very next moment later, you come crashing down to the valley. Like you go from here to here in a matter of minutes, and you're kind of shell-shocked, and you're looking around going, what just happened? Why am I in this position? So I saw this story this past week, and maybe you saw this too. A New York State high school baseball championship game was happening. And here's what's going on. The team that's up to bat, I'm going to show you the video here. The team that's up to bat is down by one run, okay? The, the score is four to five, and the losing team has a runner on first, and there's two outs, and there's two strikes. Okay, so you following me? Okay, I know that's a lot to take in. It'll all make sense. Let's watch the first video, okay? So here's the first video in the championship game. Two strikes, two outs, and it's a strike, is it? And he's running. They struck him out. So they're in the middle, and they are celebrating their big win. They win 5-4. to four. Mountaintop experience. We are so excited. However, there's a problem. If you watch this again, let's play the next, play the video again. The problem is, is that the final pitch was two strikes. It hits the dirt, which means if there's two strikes, the runner has to be either tagged or thrown out at first. So the runner keeps running, right? And nobody understands what's going on. Now, play the, play the last video here. The celebration is happening. Look at the runner still running around the bases, and you're going to see they are still celebrating, and then the runner comes to win the game right there. These guys go from celebrating a state championship. Now these guys are celebrating a church a state championship. And we can't tell you what the coach is saying right now because it's not appropriate <laughs> for church, right? <laughs> Somewhere when they were trying to explain the madness of what was going on, somebody on Twitter wrote, everybody got to celebrate a state championship that day. There are no losers, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> but you, can you imagine... Like, that's life, right? Mountaintop to valley in a matter of moments. And you're wondering, what just happened? This happens to all of us. We, we hit these valleys in life where everything was going so well, but then so quickly everything changes. This, this 23rd Psalm, it, it deals with those valleys in life. And the reason this is important is because, again, life is not filled with just mountains and roses, right? I mean, it's good for us to examine those valleys that happen in life, those tough times, those difficult moments where God is still with us, right? Where God is still with us in those valleys, holding on to us and leading us and guiding us like the good shepherd, right? I'll remind you what it says in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through that valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are 
with me. God is with, I'm not gonna fear, I'm in the valley, I know things are difficult, I know things look tough, but I know that God is still good. He's still with me, even in this moment. He is the good shepherd. I came across a peculiar story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you some valley stories as we go through our time together today. This peculiar story, though, happens in the Old Testament. It deals with the king of Aram who tried to come in and take over King Ahab and the Israelites. Okay, so you got one king. Um, you, got a, you got an army battling the Israelites, which is always a bad move in Scripture, right? But to make a long story short, it looks like the bad guys way outnumber the Israelites and things are not going to go well at all. Now, the Israelites end up getting a major victory out of this. And the reason is because they have God on their side, right? So they come through, amazing victory. Everybody is singing God's praises, huge moment. And even though they won this battle, a prophet comes back up to the king of Israel and he says this, he says, listen, I know you just won that one, but I want you to stay aware. I want you to, don't, don't, you know, don't just calm down or anything. Like stay prepared because they're gonna come back. They're gonna wanna fight you again, okay? So be ready. And sure enough, the enemy gain some more troops, they gain more momentum, and they come back, and they're ready to fight. And their rationale this time, they said, we fought the Israelites in the mountains. We fought them in the hills, and that was a problem, because obviously they serve a God of the hills. Obviously they serve a God of the mountains. They don't serve a God of the valleys. You see, those pagan worship, they had gods for different things in life. So obviously, since Israelites won and we outnumbered them, they must serve a God of the mountains. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on the valley. And that's where we're going to take our fight next time. So God is watching all this. And he sends this prophet back to the king of Israel. And he says this. He says, listen, the Syrians think that the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys. Like, this is what they think, right? So, he has promised to help you defeat their powerful army. Then you will know that the Lord is in control. And of course, if you go back and find this story and read through it in 1 Kings, you'll find this is exactly what happened. God was with them. They won in the valley. So let me summarize all this. Here's what I want to say. I believe that God is saying that to you, right? Like, I'm not just a God of your mountaintop experiences, right? I am a God of your valleys also. In other words, he's not just the God of the good times in life when everything's going well and everything is smooth and it's all rainbows and lollipops, right? He is the God of the valley also when things aren't great, when things are a little dark and confusion sets in and you're wondering how and why and when and all those questions in life. He's still good and he's still with you. He's still God. And he'll prove it to you. You see, the Bible uses the term valley over and over and over again. And it can literally mean valleys, but it can also be a metaphor for all the difficult times that we face in life. And the Bible uses valleys a lot. Well, It talks in Scripture, it talks about the trouble and the weeping and the difficultness and the darkness and the despair and the defeat and the discouragement and all of those things. And the reason that the Bible talks about this so much is because, let's be honest, a lot of life is lived in the valley, right? A lot of life is spent traveling through the valley from one mountaintop or one hill to another. In fact, some of you are here today you're walking through a valley right now. It could be a financial valley. It could be a relational valley. It could be a physical valley. 
So let's talk about this for a minute. What does it mean? What does it mean to say that we serve a God of the valleys? And then what do we do when we're in that valley? What, what do these valleys mean for us? And then what do we do when we're in those valleys? How do we get through that and still remember that God is good? Here's the first thing you need to know about valleys. Number one is that valleys are a part of life, okay? They're just a part of life. In other words, it's going to happen. You can't avoid them. As a matter of fact, just like I said before, some of you just came out of one. Some of y'all are in one. Some of us are heading into one, right? That's just how life is. And I know this is hard to hear, but we shouldn't be shocked or surprised when we go through those tough times. Because we can't just live on the mountaintops. I wish it were so, but it's not. The question isn't if you're going to go through a valley. It's when you're going to go through a valley. In fact, if anybody knew anything about valleys in life, it was Peter, the disciple Peter. And he writes this in 1 Peter, his book. He says this, my friends, those Christians, those Christians within the church, listen to me. He says, my friends, don't be surprised at the terrible trouble which now comes to test you. Don't be surprised at this, right? Do not think that something strange is happening. And the reason he writes this to the church and then the reason we need to be reminded of this is because we forget it. Sometimes we forget that valleys are a part of life. And because of that, we get scared. And we let fear overwhelm us. So when it comes to this idea of fear, I want to share with you another valley in Scripture. Again, I'm going to share some stories of valleys. I think it will help us with these points. The first point is the Valley of Eskel. The Valley of Eskel. Some of y'all remember, y'all may remember the story of Moses wandering in the desert with the children of Israel for 40 years, right? Trying to find the promised land, right? 40 years for a trip that was supposed to take three or four weeks. That is the longest road trip ever, right? And you thought traveling down to Orlando with your kids was long, right? Longest ever recorded, right? Anyway, they finally get there. They finally are ready to go in. You know the story. Moses sends 12 in to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. They go in. They go into the valley of Eskel, and they find so much great food. It was amazing, Milk, honey, you know, just that's where it comes from, right? And they found these, actually they find grapes. They find grapes on vines that are so big, it takes two guys to carry them back. Like that's how big these grapes, huge. But the problem was, the people that were living there looked like giants. And because of that, it made them fearful. Didn't matter what God had said. Didn't matter what they saw that was so good. That fear, that fear set in. So the Valley of Eskel, it represents fear for some of us. And here's the decision before them. We either got to move ahead and trust God or we're going to give up. And some of you right now, you are in that valley. Like you're in that valley of fear and you don't know what to do. Or maybe you do know what to do. Like the Israelites, they knew what they were supposed to do. Two out of the ten knew what they were supposed to do, but nobody else wanted to. Maybe you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to because you're so afraid, right? You're in that valley, and you're looking around. You can't see a way out, and this guy's just scared to death. And meanwhile, what you're thinking could be an obstacle might just be a chance for God to see it as an opportunity for something amazing in your life. So how do you get through that valley of fear when that sets in, here, here's what you got to remember. You got to remember that the good shepherd can have a good purpose. 
Remember that the good shepherd can have a good purpose in this valley. God is good all the time, of course, and he has a plan for your life even in that valley. So I got to remember that even in the problems of conflict and grief and fear and failure, whatever it is that might have me shaking in my boots, God can still work a good purpose. God is still with me, even though I'm scared in this moment. I remember one of my good friends talking about church planning, and he said the the most difficult valley he ever walked through was having to shut down a church, the first church he ever started. And he talked about the, the difficulty and how afraid he was in trying anything more in ministry after shutting down that church. But what he realized is that walking through that valley, that God was with him, and that God used that experience to help him and prepare him for the next church that he was able to serve. And it became a great church. Valleys are a part of life, right? Don't be surprised by it. Don't think it's unusual that it's happening. Remember that God can have a good purpose even in the middle of this, even in the dark times. So don't, don't be so afraid. The second thing we got to know about valleys is that valleys happen to everyone. They happen to everyone. No, there's no way to avoid them. They're just a part of life. They're inevitable. Not only they are, are they inevitable, but they are impartial, right? Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It's just a part of being in this crazy world. In fact, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 34. It says, the good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps them in each and every one. And the reason I bring this up and the reason this is good to remember here when it comes to the valleys in life is because I hear people so often want to blame God or blame the good shepherd and say, well, God must not be so good because look at me now. Like, why am I here? Why am I in this moment? Why am I in this valley? If God was good, why does he have it out for me? God's not mad at you. Whatever you're going through, God's not punishing you right now. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, it's a part of life. Again, we we live in a fallen and broken world. Nobody's immune from it. Nobody's insulated from the pain. Nobody's isolated from the sorrow. And what makes this even more complicated is that we have this notion that somehow Christians are above it, right? That it shouldn't happen to us. But we're still a part of this world. Right? The exact same things happen. We're not exempt from it. There is a difference between being a believer and being a non-believer as you go through it. In fact, let me tell you another story, another valley in Scripture. This one is called the Valley of Siddim. If you want to know where to find this story, it's in Genesis 14. And in this chapter, we have another major battle brewing. And something interesting happens during this valley. Um, in this valley during this battle. Let's read this together. It says this. Four kings came against five. Now, it's not important that you know whose kings are fighting against who. That's not a big deal right now. As it happened, the valley of the Dead Sea, which is the valley of Siddam, it was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, they fell in those tar pits. This is so strange. How did they not know that was there, right? They're running through this valley. They get stuck in this quicksand and they cannot move. They can't get out. They lost everything. It was a huge failure. Now, we don't necessarily have a dog in this fight, 
okay? Because neither one of these, neither one of these warring kingdoms were Israelites or anything with God's people. However, the city that got overtaken was Sodom and Gomorrah. And do you remember who was living? There was one Bible character that was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Does anybody remember who that is? It was Lot. Lot was in Sodom. So Lot got taken captive. Lot is Abraham's nephew. So Uncle Abraham got upset, and he goes all Liam Neeson, and he calls him. And he's like, if you return, my nephew, I will not harm you, but if you don't, I will kill you all, right? Literally, that's what happens. (laughs) He goes in, takes him, gets Lot back. But can you imagine the failure of slipping down and getting stuck? here's, Here's where I'm going with this. These guys are running away. And they fall. It, this, this, this valley of Siddim is, is the valley of failure. Everyone knows what this is like, right? We all know what it's like to think we have it all together. Actually, maybe even running away from something, right? We get stuck in this valley and we got this major failure in our hands. Let me, let me ask you this question. What, what is your valley of Siddim right now? Like, What are you running from? What is that dark and slimy tar pit that just keeps tripping you up and causing you to fail? For some people, it might be late nights in a place we don't need to be. Maybe it's being somewhere we shouldn't be instead of being at home. Maybe for some, it's watching inappropriate things. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Maybe it's a moral failure of some kind. But let me just say, no matter how far you've fallen, no matter what has happened, no matter what that failure is, Jesus is there to help lift you out. In fact, some of you have fallen so hard in this valley, you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you can't break free. And if that's how you feel right now in that valley... I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that the good shepherd is with you. Okay, remember this. The good shepherd is with you. And the reason this is important is because in the 23rd Psalm, Jesus being the good shepherd, he promises to be with you. He doesn't promise just to send you through the valley and he meets you on the other side. No, he promises to walk with you every step of the way. And not only that, but when Scripture says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Think about this for a minute. But have you ever noticed a shepherd's staff has that crook on the end of it? And you know why that is? It's to hook the sheep. It's to pull them up. Do you know, sheep aren't that smart, right? Which is why we're referred to as sheep a whole lot in Scripture, right? We're not always that bright, right? And we get stuck. And there's all kinds of ways that sheep get stuck. Some of them go into thorn bushes looking for a berry and they dig into those thorn bushes and those thorns, they grab a hold of the wool and they can't get out. Don't worry, the good shepherd's there. Sometimes we go nosing in places that we don't need to be and we get stuck, right? And we feel like a failure. We feel like we can't get out. The good shepherd is there. Sometimes they'll walk into a stream thinking, thinking that it's shallow water, but when they get into it, their little legs, they're so little that their bellies are touching the water, and the water just seeps into all that wool, and their wool, as it gets saturated, gets heavier, and their little legs can't hold them, and they fall into the water. Sometimes they fall into that mud, and they get stuck. But you don't have to worry, because the good shepherd is there. 
Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we wade into things that we think we know so much. Like we think we're so good and we've got all of this put together and then all of a sudden we're in over our heads. And we feel like a failure. And we don't know what to do. Don't worry, the good shepherd is there. So please remember that. Every one of us, we find those moments where we're stuck or we feel stuck in those failures in life. But the promise we have is that he is with us. Third thing you got to know about valleys in life is that valleys are unpredictable. They're unpredictable. And that's part of the problem. Man, you can't predict them. You can't plan for them. You can't time them. And that's a big problem for me because I'm a planner. How many of y'all are planners out there? Let me see. You love to have a good plan? Yes. You love Excel spreadsheets? Anybody else? Excel spreadsheets? Yes. Ooh, somebody's like, yes. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I, 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 this is a big problem because I love a plan for everything in life. And you never know when or where these valleys are going to happen because they're unexpected. Life would be, wouldn't you agree, Life would be so much better if you could schedule your valley, right? Like you could actually put it on your calendar, like put it out and say, you know what? Well, like Thursday should be good. Like I should get plenty of rest Wednesday night. My bank account's looking pretty good. You know, so-and-so's not getting on my nerves so much. You know, Thursday would be great for a valley. Let's schedule it then, right? But that's not how it works. That's not what happens. You know, it's just, it's one phone call away. It's one bad decision later. It's one wrong turn, and then everything changes. Suddenly I go from here to down here in a matter of moments. Let me share the last valley with you. It's the Valley of Baca. This valley is mentioned in Psalm 84. The word Baca actually means to weep. And this valley, this valley is on your way into Jerusalem. So get this, like you're moving up into Jerusalem. And this valley, it takes you through this dry, deserted area that just feels like there's no life, right? And this represents so much in our spiritual journey when we're going through like the bottomless pit up into the presence of God where there is life. But as you travel through the valley of Becca, man, there's just nothing there. It's just a wasteland. Land. It's just barren. And I bet as they traveled through it on their way to Jerusalem, I bet they kind of wished that there was another option, right? Kind of like how I feel when I'm traveling to Savannah on the interstate. It's just barren, right? Nothing out there. But the valley of Baca represents the valley of grief, this weeping. Let's use this metaphor and say that maybe some of us were traveling through that valley right now. And maybe it just feels like all our joy has just dried up. And we're weeping in this moment. And we're beginning to realize that nothing feels like it grows in this valley, right? There's nothing productive. There's nothing fruitful at all. In fact, one of the things about being in this valley is that I just don't have feelings anymore. Do y'all know this? No, I just don't feel anymore. Like, I just don't feel close to God anymore. I don't feel close to my spouse anymore. I don't feel close to anybody. My emotions are just kind of dried up. In fact, the only thing I feel is like I feel like I'm just going through the motions in life. I'm basically just trying to put one foot in front of the other just to make it through the day. And if that describes you, and if you're in that valley, let me give you something to remember. Remember that the good shepherd promises an eternal reward. We get this at the end of the 23rd Psalm when it talks about that banquet table, right, that's set for us. Do you know this eternal reward, like this is the promise that comes from Jesus himself, right? 
This is the promise that comes from the good shepherd, that this that we experience in the world around, like this isn't it, right? This is not the end of the story. You see, I think that God can use these valleys of grief in our life to help us grow, right, so that we're stronger and better. We already said that, right? But in a sense, well, we kind of get a reward here on earth because we get to grow through it. However, this is nothing compared to what's waiting on us next. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians. I love this. Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Talking about death and resurrection. He says, listen, these little troubles, these little troubles that we go through, what they're doing is they're getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. And the reason that Paul says these little troubles, he's not trying to minimize what you're going through. I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through. I know it's big and I know it's tough and I know that valley looks long and dark and it is scary. But compared, compared to what awaits us in heaven, right? Right? It, it just can't compare. These dry spots that we go through in life, we got to remember that we, when we give our hearts to Christ, man, we were made. We weren't made for this world, right? That we get to inherit that eternal glory one day with Christ when he comes again. And that keeps me going. Even through that valley. So, everyone goes through valleys. But there's a big difference in being a believer and a non-believer. I don't, I don't know how non-believers get through the valleys. I don't know how they get through difficult times in life. Because you see, if I'm a Christian, then I believe that what makes life great is knowing that that good shepherd is with me, that he promises power and purpose and protection and peace and presence, all of those things. So I don't know what valley you're going through right now, the valley of fear, the valley of failure, the valley of grief. Some of you might be in a deep, dark valley right now. Regardless of the valley, please know this doesn't last forever. And please remember the presence of the good shepherd. But here's the thing about the good shepherd. We have to ask him to be our good shepherd, right? We have to trust him. We have to give our hand and put it into his and allow the good shepherd to lead us through. We got to surrender our life to him. And when you do that, we go back to verse 1 in the 23rd Psalm where it says that he will provide everything that we need. Let's pray together. God, as we looked at your word today, we just remember some of these valleys that we've been in in life. and We might even think about some of the valleys that are ahead of us that we know are coming. Maybe we even think about some of those things that we've tried to run from only to trip and fall and find failure. Maybe some of us just we're in this valley of fear where we're just too concerned to keep moving forward. Or maybe, God, we've been in this valley of grief for so long, we just don't know what it's like to feel anymore and we just feel like we're all dried up. God, help us to remember that we're not alone, that when we go through these times in life that you are with us and you promise to never leave us. God, maybe we... May we leave here today with this declaration in our hearts saying that your presence, your presence is what we need. And God, knowing that you're with us, help us remember that you can have a good purpose even in the bad things in life. So, so for everyone that is here and you're traveling through that long valley that just seems so long and so dark, God, 
help us to also remember that reward, that reward that's coming that's going to last forever. That promise that the problems that we face now are just a drop in the bucket compared to eternity with you. So Jesus, we thank you for being the good shepherd in our life. And God, help us to learn what it means to turn everything over to you. God, we thank you so much that you're not just a God of the mountaintops when everything's going great in life, but you are there in the valleys with us. You're the God of the valleys also. So God, we honor you and we give you our lives. We ask the good shepherd to lead us. And where you lead us, God, we will follow. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.